Beta 1 in Edmonton, 13 degrees, looking for a high of 26. What a great day coming up. I would be remiss to not mention because of our good buddies, uh, Mark Lievers and Mo Blayways, that uh, if you wear an NFL jersey tonight to the downtown location for... Monday Night Football, you can get 50% off wings. So uh, I'm sure, are you going to be watching the, the Monday Night Football game t- tonight, L.A.? I think I'm going to have to, <laughs> yes. We are going to get you so versed into sports, it's not even funny. You're gonna, you'll are you know it. more about the NFL. You'll be coming on uh, Fantasy Frenzy probably within two weeks. <laughs> I love it. This All is right. so good. Okay, uh, time now for um, On The Mark, powered by Booster Juice. You can visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download their new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy Booster Juice. We bring in Mark Spector as we do every day at 8 o'clock. Spec, how was the weekend, big fella? Oh, it was a beautiful weekend. Got out a little bit on the bikes yesterday and uh, watched a little football here and there. Went to the Elks game uh Saturday night and had a pretty good time there. So yeah, what the heck? September weekend felt like July out there. Yeah. You went, you went out on the bike. I I think maybe you should go for a little bike ride with L. A. Munzer. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not a sprinter. I'm more of a <laughs> peruser. You want, you, I think you think you might be eating a little dust there or what? Oh boy! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I've been around. Uh, I've been fortunate. I was in Athens, Gloria, uh, oh. when you won that uh, gold medal. I don't think awesome. I covered the event that day though. We had a big team of people, and I think I lost out. I was somewhere else, but I remember you winning that medal. And uh, I mean, a belated congratulations. But it was. I just remember that you know what you go to an Olympics and there's certain medals that you think oh, we got a shot here. We might win a medal there. And I'm not sure you were one of those people, but uh, you delivered when it counted. Oh, thank you. It was uh, quite a journey, and uh, yeah, I, it's awesome to connect here with you. Spec, so how many Olympics did you cover? I covered, uh, I covered four Olympics, I think. I covered uh, my first Olympics was in Sydney in 2000, and uh, Athens 2004, Beijing 2008. And when was touring? I think 2006 was the winter. So it's a pretty cool experience. Uh, anyone who hasn't been to Olympics, it's quite a machine. You know, it's like anything you do. Once you, you, you should try everything once. I got to try the Olympics four times. Uh, it's, it was tons of fun, great experience, tons of work, tons of work, <laughs> and blows out your entire summer as a sports journalist. You, you go there for a, basically a month, and then you spend a couple of weeks recovering, and before you know it, they're dropping a hockey puck again. So I love my time doing Olympics, and maybe I'll get another one, but if I don't, I won't feel shorted. How about that for an answer? That's great. Hey, what did you like the most about covering with the Olympics, and was it summer or winter? Which was your favorite? Uh, you know what I love the most, Loriana. The cool thing about the Olympics, and I think this speaks for all our viewers out here and listeners, like there's events that we don't watch for four years. When do you go to a when do you go to a team handball event? You don't because you're Canadian. We don't really have much of that here. Uh, you know, Dave Stubbs at the former NHL.com now is with the Montreal Gazette. He took me in Athens. We went to see. Uh, we went to this old dark theater in down <laughs> somewhere in Athens to see the super heavyweight weightlifting. And the place is filled with like Bulgarians and Iranians and all those weightlifting countries, right? Like we're not, you know, we have weightlifters, but we're not a weightlifting country. So we go to this thing and I'm in this theater for all these Middle Eastern guys and people. I mean, I don't think there's a, a woman in the crowd. <laughs> 
this was before they had women in weightlifting, I'm going to add. And it was such a cool event. We saw this Iranian cat. you got to look him up because his last name is about 18 letters long. Uh, set the record for the most weight ever lifted in the super heavyweight category. And it was just a fabulous experience. And you know what it was? It was an experience you're only going to get in downtown Athens at an Olympic Games. You don't get that anywhere else. So to me, the cool thing is going to the Winter Olympics and seeing a downhill and seeing how excited the Austrians get or go to the table tennis and, and see like the Indonesians and the Asian countries and how pumped they are. And then you go to the hockey rink and there's the Canadians and the Swedes and the Finns and they're pumped. It's, it's a cool mix and a melting pot of sports people and there's only one place to get it. Olympic Games. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Yeah, On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice, as Mark Spector joins us as he does every day on Sports 1440, Kevin Carey's show, with our Monday morning guest, uh, uh, co-host, pardon me, Lori Ann Munzer. She'll be with us every Monday from 7 to 9. Uh, so, Speck, uh, I mean, Oilers back at it again this week with captain skates and things like that. Uh, a little bit of a different day for them today and last night as well. So kind of run us through that. For the Oilers, yeah, I mean they got the big golf thing today, and you know, oh, I see, I see, yeah, yeah, so. they're they're doing a golf tournament here, charity tournament. We're going down to the rink uh, mm-hmm. to talk to some players this morning. Um, where are they today? They're at the Mayfair, I believe. Yes, Is the whole team playing. How many guys are playing? So I think so. It's a it's a big charity tournament, and they would have had a what we call a smoker or a gala event last night, where you probably right. would be buying players and auctioning them right. off, and the you know all for money raised and things like that. So, uh, and then you head out to the Mayfair today, and you can't get a better day of golf, uh, better weather for golf today. So, and again. You know, this this would have been planned, you know, a long, long time ago. So this is a situation where the players get together. So it's it's more, I don't know, I, I don't know if, the, if team bonding at this stage is, I mean, these guys have been together a long time. So, um, but. Yeah, you, you know, know what, you can't, you can't be absolutely serious about the craft every day. Like these guys mm-hmm. practice on Saturday. I assume they took Sunday off. I know there's two sessions practicing today, Kev. Yeah. Uh, down at the rink. So lots of guys are going to play you know, get their skate in today and then likely go for a game of golf and why not, you know. Uh, listen, I was pumped about the Elks. What did you think about that Elks game on Saturday night? Well, I thought it was fabulous. I was in Saskatchewan. I had to drive back and forth. That's uh, why I was just, I spent about 22 hours in the in the vehicle over about a 30-hour period. So, I, so you listened to the game on the radio? Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I actually was able to get back to Saskatchewan just in time to watch that but you know I, I still the the Dean Faithful kick is just unbelievable and you went to the game right yeah spent uh, Saturday night with a big crew at the game uh, it was really fun this is so this is what mm-hmm. the Elks and and Victor Quee and now Rick Lawlisher and everyone's trying to create here right and I, I felt for I felt good for the all the people that work for the Elks that have been trying for three years to get you know, what they had on Saturday. There's 32,000 people there. They were having, you know, we were having a good time. Like, everybody was having fun. Uh, I'll be honest with you, the Elks weren't very good for three quarters. Yeah. No offense. What did, what did Trey Ford have after three quarters? Like, 21 yards in passing or something? Uh, you know, they, they were, I'll be honest, they were being out-schemed and outplayed for three quarters. And then they rescue the thing, you know, the kid, this is a young quarterback and that's what you get. You get three quarters of a confused looking number two out there. And then he figures it out in the fourth quarter, starts moving the ball. They score. I I forget what they scored, 21 points or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, 18 in the fourth. 
18, thank you, in the fourth. And, you know, and then they put it on the toe of a guy who's, who, like, is a metaphor, right? Dean Faithful hasn't had an overwhelming deal of success this year. He hasn't been asked to kick many long field goals. He hasn't been asked to kick any clutch field goals because they haven't been in that position. And it all comes together with three seconds left. He's teeing it up. And doesn't it go through? And doesn't everybody have a great night at the ballpark? I mean, listen, this organization, they've I know they've caused a lot of yeah. their own problems. We'll say that, and I get it. But they deserve a night like they had last, on Saturday night, and they had that night. And when you saw the picture of Faithful <laughs> get lifted up by his teammates and give him the clean wave, yeah. I mean, that was just perfect, man. Uh, it was perfect. Wasn't it? Mark Spector's <laughs> with us. What was the atmosphere? How would you describe the atmosphere in their spec? Because... Even more so than a win, they need to turn things around with people coming to the games. So what do you think? Well, I mean, first of all, they got them. Like, that was a real, you know, I'm a guy that goes to lots of sporting events, and I'm going to tell you that, uh, you know, I'm looking at that crowd Mm because everyone announces 30,000, and often it's only 20. But, uh, no, it was, to me, it was a legit 30,000 crowd for one. I think it's a hesitant crowd. It's a bit of a head-shy puppy because that crowd's had, you know, Lucy's pulled the football away from that crowd a lot of times over the last three years. So we all came, everybody came to see the Elks, you know, play as well as they did in Calgary, and they didn't, right? For three quarters, people were like, oh, my God, it's the old Elks. What happened here? How come, you know, last week in Calgary they were great, and this week in Edmonton they're not. And so, you know, to get, I think, a a crowd – that hasn't had a team they can believe in for a long time, I think that goes a long way in that game. The, the Elks dug that game out, right? They dug it out, and they won it in the end. They sent their fans home happy. And you know what? It's, uh, if you were a fan and a season ticket mm-hmm. holder, man, you've waited a long time for that football game, Kev. Oh, boy, no question about that. So Mark Spector's our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with Lorianne Munzer, our Monday morning co-host. Um, I wanted to kind of bridge the gap between pro sports and amateur sports, uh, Spec, and Lorianne's got a question for you on that. Um, Mark, what, what's the difference in covering amateur sports versus the pro sports? Oh, lots of them. Um, but I'll, I guess you're asking me as a media guy, so I'm going to give you a media guy's answer. Um, the professionals are used to doing media, for one. They're not always as, as much fun at it because they're practiced and they know what they're going to say. A lot of times amateur athletes are winging it, and they open up a little bit. Uh, here's my pet peeve, Lorianne Munzer, about, about uh, having covered Olympics and about a lot of the amateur sports organizations is for three years and, and nine months they beg you for coverage, and I'm not going to lie to you, as a, let's say I'm the columnist for the Edmonton Journal, there's not a ton of cycling columns for three years for me, three mm-hmm. and a half years between Olympic Games. It just isn't. There's not a ton of figure skating. There's not a whole bunch of team handball or swimming. But for that six months around the Olympics, there's a lot. And I want to come down and I want to write Lorianne Munzer in, in Athens. And a lot of the amateur organizations, you get anywhere near Olympics and they shut her down and they hide their athletes from the media. And right at the moment when their athletes are about to get a a good hit from the world of journalism, the organization shut them down. And that's been going on for years. So if you're asking me, that's my answer. I think amateur organizations can do a lot better for their athletes. Uh, I don't think it's got anything to do with the athletes because by the time you finally get to the amateur athletes, nine times out of ten, they're fantastic. 
Absolutely. But it's their handlers that are a pain in the rear end. Hmm. I think it's also, too, that sports amateur is not run or thought of as like a business. You're yes. just, it's, it's, well, it's a nice hobby, but it's more than a hobby. It's your life. It's your passion. It's what you're doing. So question, yeah. are, are the stories better in amateur sports? Well, I think they are because they're fresher, right? And they're, they're you know, for instance, amateur athletes come from all walks of life in most of the sports. Like, I'm going to tell you that the average NHL player now, they're all rich kids. They all, their dads were, were real estate developers, and they didn't do anything interest not anything, but their lives haven't had part-time jobs. They played hockey their whole life. They're not as interesting as they used to be. Amateur athletes still are, right? Amateur athletes come from all walks of life still, in my experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I love, you know, and we haven't read their story. You walk in the door and talk to some random swimmer, your average reader has not read that story. But I'm going to talk to Ryan Nugent Hopkins today, and I'm trying to think of a new question to ask him. So, so what are you sure, going to ask him? Well, I don't know. I'll figure <laughs> it out. But the point is, if you gave me someone off the swim team that I never met and gave me 20 minutes with them, I'd learn a whole bunch of yeah. stuff. And I'm not sure I'm going to learn anything new about Ryan Nugent Hopkins today. <laughs> That's fair. Well, maybe we should get the callers to text in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. A question for you. Yes. Yeah, I'd take everything, I, every bit of help I can get, folks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if you've got a question for Spec to head down today for sure. Um, so I, I think we can probably line up maybe a charity cycling race between you and Lorianne. How's that, Spec? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, oh, dear me. I yeah. think Mark is going to be bringing already. me home. No, no, no. I think Mark is going to be pulling me home. Only you got to wear you got to wear your hockey helmet for a bike helmet. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, oh, when's that new track open up? I've yeah. never been on one of those tracks. I'd love to try it. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's 2024, 20, if not like January 2025. Yeah. We're getting so close. It's, it's about a year and three months away. Okay, so I got that long to get in shape. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need it. And I, I think I can picture you with your hockey helmet on, racing Laurie and Munzer, but you, I, I see you on like that bike that Kramer had from Elaine, you know? Oh, my gosh. That one with the, you know, the, the, the little, uh, the, the pom-pom handles, you know? We're going to get oh, Mark really? the streamers. <laughs> the handlebar streamers. streamers. Yep. Yeah, and a sissy bar. As long as it has two wheels, let's do it. Don't give me a three-wheeler on that track. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Hey, Speck, thanks for this. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 8. Have a great day. All right, folks, have a great day out there. All right, that's uh, Mark Spector on the mark. Energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost that you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, we will uh, hook up with John Warrow from the Associated Press. He covers the Buffalo Bills as we head into the Monday night football game. Bills and the New York Jets. This is the Kevin Carrier Show with Monday morning co-host Laurieann Munzer on Sports 1440. 8.21 in Edmonton. Welcome back to the big program. Uh, time now for our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter. They are sports fans like all our listeners, and uh, they're pumped to talk sports radio and pumped that sports talk radio is back in the Capital Region. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrreuter.ca. Let's welcome into the program from the Associated Press, John Woru covers the Buffalo Bills mostly, but all NFL. And uh, John, welcome to the big show. How are you doing this morning? Not bad, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. So did you uh, watch that butt kicking last night? What was that all about? Holy smokes. 
Well, I kind of fell asleep through it because it was a butt kicking. So, uh, yeah, there was not really much to watch. Uh, Dallas certainly, ah, Dallas showed that they that they, they can mm-hmm. be Dallas, but there's going to be a lot of over. I think there's going to be a lot of overreactions coming as there always are coming out of Week One. Um, and you know, I think the most intriguing game was um, uh, uh, the, the Chargers and, mm-hmm. and the Dolphins and and that shootout, but. Um, I think there. I, I really do think there's going to be a lot of overreactions coming out of Week One, and let's wait and see how the season develops. Dallas made a statement, but if if everybody remembers, the Bills made a statement in LA against the Super Bowl champion uh, Rams uh, a year ago on the NFL opening day weekend, and look where that got them. So, yeah, let's see. Our guest in the Kevin Carey Show with our co-host, Lorianne Munzer, on Mondays is John Warrow from the Associated Press. Uh, John, I'm going to bring in Lorianne Munzer, and I, she is an Olympic gold medalist in sprint cycling. Um, she is kind of new to our family here, and she's going to be co-hosting with us on Mondays. So I think she wanted to ask you one question. I, I kind of think it's an interesting question because we don't get to see what you guys do down in the States, how you how you do your job. So I'm going to introduce you to Lorianne. So John, Lorianne, Lorianne, John. Hello, John. How about it, Lorianne? How you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? Good. So player accessibility, what's it like uh, covering in the NFL? Well, um, it's it's gotten a little bit tighter over the years, uh, and I think the NFL um, NFL teams use the COVID uh, pandemic to uh, restrict um, availability with players and the media a lot more. They used as as that as, as an excuse. There was a time where you could pull aside a player, really any player, at any time back in the day in the early two thousands uh, when I broke in here in Buffalo. Um, and you, you can just pull aside a player and, and, and talk to them. Now it's like you have to go through handlers. Um, some players just refuse to talk in the locker room, even though there are rules for them to talk. I've seen this happen in, you know, I cover the NHL as well. I've got mm-hmm. the papers here in town. And you see that you see the restrictions, the more restrictions that teams have placed, put in place for media on the hockey side of things, where players um, now get changed in an anti uh, in, in, in a secondary room, and then are only only come out in, into the dressing room or locker room, whatever you want to call it, post game, if they're requested. So I think it's really something that's become a trend in sports over the past number of years. And I, as I said, I think teams have used COVID to tighten up the restrictions and make players less accessible, which I, it really hurts the business. I think it really hurts the fan base because they don't get to hear what their players have to say or think, except in mostly canned comments or prepared comments. Uh, sometimes they almost speak, speak as if they're issuing press releases. So why do you think, like, I know you said it's tighter, but why do you think it's tighter? I mean, COVID, COVID is happened well, because, it's right. here it's because gone the, like right go ahead Lori. yeah like Lorian. why why do you why do you think they're restrictive why do you think they're they they tighten it up because teams generally want less news coming out of, mm-hmm. less real news coming out of their locker rooms because that has the potential of rocking the boat yeah. um coaches are very defensive-minded over how much or what their players might say and so, and so are teams in, in many ways. So what you get is, team, is player interviews mostly um, 
players speaking to their sponsors, knowing they're going to get lob, um, you know, lob easy softball questions, yeah. um, rather than being in a place where they may be asked a hard question. And I, and 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 we saw that um, was it a year ago with um, oh uh, in Edmonton with. Um, with the Edmonton Reporter and, um, oh my gosh. You're thinking Leon Dreisaitl and Jim yeah, Matheson? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we saw that last year. Mm-hmm. Now players aren't accustomed to hearing hard questions, and they and they can become um, prickly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become understandable that, that it, it's become more difficult to ask tougher questions because teams expect the media to be rooting for them. And mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen. And when... And, and it's easier for teams to provide access to team partners, per se, to make it easier on the player because they know they're not going to be asked tough questions. Yeah, great perspective uh, from our headliner of the day for Roto-Rooter, John Roro from the Associated Press, focuses on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so which leads us to uh, tonight's big game. Buffalo Bills, New York Jets, big AFC East matchup. Uh, John, how do you see this one shaking down in uh, the AFC East? It's a big, big game right off the hop, a divisional matchup. I think the Bills catch the Jets at a good time to start the season. I'm going to be more intrigued when the Jets come to Buffalo in a couple of months mm-hmm. to see how those uh, to see how those two two teams match up. Then, I think the Bills have the advantage because they're a more complete team and return mostly intact whereas the Jets have a lot of new parts to them specifically of course Aaron Rodgers um, so I, I think the, the Bills have the advantage even though they're playing on the road in a big game with, with Aaron Rodgers having a lot to prove to you know the Big Apple but if, if the Bills go after Aaron Rodgers in trying to get him off his spot to rattle him he does not like to be blitzed he does not like to be hit the more often they hit him, I think the more often the, uh, the the bigger the advantage goes to Buffalo. So that's the way I see it. But as I said, I'm curious to see how these two teams look when they when they face face each other in, in Orchard Park and have had more game experience to get themselves together. What do you make of uh, the start in preseason and just just the feeling, the coming out between, uh, you know, Josh Allen has been obviously a number one quarterback in the league for a few years now, but he seems to have uh, maybe a little more rapport. Would that be a fair assessment with maybe a couple of his receivers and guys coming out of the backfield? Is, Is it just more of a comfort level having these guys there a little bit longer now? Well, it's a little. It's going to be interesting with Josh this year. This year, because the Bills are placing an emphasis to not run the ball more, but to run the ball more effectively to take the load off of Josh Allen, um, to take the to take the hits off of Josh Allen when he takes off and runs. So there's going to be a big focus on James Cook, who's actually going to be lining up against, um, who's going to be on the other sideline of his older brother Dalvin, who's with the Jets. Um, and it, another curiosity is going to be to see how Dalton Kincaid, the Bills' rookie tight end, um, fares in his debut because the Bills are placing an emphasis um, to spread the ball more and to, to, to use a two tight end set. So how Dalton Kincaid showed a lot of flashes of, um, uh, of his ability, his pass-catching ability during training camp. Let's see how that translate, uh, translates onto the field. And the Bills do have two new receivers that they're working in, in Deontay Hardy and Trent Scherfeld, who are going to be filling slot and deep, um, you know, deep passing roles. 
Um, aside from, you know, the Bills, are, Josh is the two mm-hmm. receivers who do come back, I'm sorry, yeah. are Stephon Diggs and, and, and Gabe Davis. I think this the receiving core might be better than it was last year. So that could be a plus for Josh. Yeah, it seems a lot of people are talking about Gabe Davis uh, having a, a kind of a, a solid season. But defensively, I mean, the Bills defense has been one of the top defenses for a number of years now. What makes that defense tick? Well, it has been among the best statistically, but they've sagged in, in key times. And we saw that if you go back to the um, the AFC divisional game against Kansas City in which the Bills, you know, which, which we call 13 seconds here, in which the Bills gave up the tying score in the final 13 seconds of that playoff game and lost in overtime. We've got, I mean, the Bills now have Sean McDermott, the head coach, going back to his roots and taking over the defensive play calling duties. And I think the team, the defense is going to be more aggressive. Um, They do return mostly intact and more important, they're healthy in the back end where, you know, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, uh, Micah Hyde missed most of last year with a neck injury and cornerback Tredavious White. Um, was limited because he was coming off major knee surgery. So I think they're going to be better in the back end. They don't have Von Miller yet, who's going to miss the first, at least the first four games of the season. But they have enough pieces in place up front that I think they can rush Aaron Rodgers. Who picks up the slack for Von Miller? Um, you've got, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's um, Floyd, mm-hmm. who they picked up, who was Von Miller's um, former teammate on the Rams. Um, and I, I had a little bit of a brain That's all right. part there. And um, they're really counting on the opposite defensive end in Greg Russo. Um, so they do have an upgrade with Floyd in place on the one side who's going to be filling in for Miller, and then Russo's on the other side. Right. So they, do, they have two capable edge rushers who, can really, who should be able to pressure the pocket. Text line's open at 1-833-401-1440. If you've got something from John Warwer from the uh, Associated Press on tonight's game or anything NFL, shoot us off a text. Um, I'm going to bring in Lorianne again, John. And, uh, again, Olympic gold medal. She can relate to certain things that happen. That I mean, I mean, sure. I don't think you've won an Olympic gold medal, not that I know of, John. I know I haven't. So. I've covered the Olympics, <laughs> but I've not won any medals, and um, but I've maintained my amateur status. So well, that's all that matters, that. right? So that's uh, right. She could relate to things in sports that we can't. So go ahead, Lorian. Fantastic, John. Um, you've covered the Olympics, but what's the difference in covering covering NHL and NFL? Is there a difference? That's a a good question. Um, You know, with the Olympics, I was in Vancouver where I was a general assignment reporter covering mostly hockey but doing a whole bunch of other things. And then I went to Beijing and covered the women's women's hockey tournament there. I find... I, I, I find it easier to sit down with Olympic athletes because they are, as we put it, especially on the, on the you know the women's side. I mean, they are establishing a pro league now, but they still have maintained their amateur status. And I think they're more. They're, you have a better conversation with them. They're, they're in some ways less guarded and more open to emotion, um, good and bad. Um, so I think there are better stories there. And what better story is there than covering U.S. versus Canada on, on the women's side? Because I think that is the most exciting, thrilling rivalry there's been in sports over the past, you know, more, you know, since Nagano, 1998, mm-hmm. really. Um, so, you know, when covering the Olympics, it, it's, it, 
a little bit more. It, it's more raw, I guess, is what you want to put it, rather than professional. Um, there are still players. There are still athletes who are guarded and have handlers. And you know, I guess you could probably point to you know the figure skating side of things, or or, or in, in in some ways. But I do enjoy dealing with Olympic athletes because it I think it brings us more to the pure side of the sport, while knowing there are you know while while knowing it, it, it's on a huge stage. Um, it's kind of like I guess we'd be covering college basketball in the states. Um, as I do, um, where you get more emotion and more, you're just not, you know, you're not sure what to expect. And, and it's, it's, it's more interesting covering that side of the game. Not to say I don't like covering the bills and the savers per se. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our, uh, Roto-Rooter headliner of the day is, uh, John Wara from, um, AP covering mostly the Bills and I guess the Sabres too, as you said. So, what's are the are the athletes much different when you call when you would consider covering between NFL and NHL like Sabres to Bills? Um, hockey players usually are generally more guarded. I think I think they're more reserved. Um, they don't like to rock the boat. There are exceptions to the rule. Um, um, in, in some ways, and um, you know, I, I, I truly, going back to my days of covering Alex McGillney when I was mm-hmm. in Vancouver, um, uh, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, but I, I find um, NHL players, again, you know, I, to be a little bit more guarded. I, I, I did enjoy covering basketball because I find the NBA players in, in back in my day when I covered the Vancouver Grizzlies, which you know, those they, they were more open to saying whatever the heck they wanted, and you still see that more when it comes to the coaching. Uh, when it comes to NBA coaches who don't mind saying political things mm-hmm. and placing their stamp or or saying something that might rock the boat um, politically, um, speaking on social issues, you find that more in football and in the NBA than you do in hockey, which is why we're seeing. Um, some of the restrictions that the NHL has put into place on not having, you know, the, the Jersey Knights anymore. Yeah. Um, it's too bad because, you know, Connor McDavid, just, and credit, credit to Connor, he has spoken out about that. And I, and I respect that. And I think the NHL needs more players, especially in that position, to speak out on what they believe and what they think rather than, you know, providing canned quotes or, hope, you know, not, not really addressing the issue. So I do credit Connor McDavid for mm-hmm. doing that because I think that was an important voice and an important statement that he made. Hey John, good stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on uh, this morning and hopefully we can do it again in the future. And by the way, it's Leonard Floyd. I, 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 ah, I Leonard Floyd. There you so, go. Leonard Floyd, the <laughs> former Rams defensive end. So that's who that is. So there, I, 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 I cleaned oh. up all my mistakes today. Well, you were great, great and good perspective on just the differences between NHL and, and, and NFL and covering because, again, we all got a job to do. But, and these guys, again, you know, they, they have, uh, as you said, and Mark Spector earlier, they have handlers and they, they, it depends on what they want to get out and what they want to leave out and let out and things like that. But uh, we all want to just cover the sports as best as we can. Indeed. Well, thanks for having me on, Kevin, and, and, and nice talking to you as well, Lorianne. Okay. Thanks, thanks John. John. That's our headliner of the day, John Wara from the Associated Press. Uh, mostly covers the Bills and sometimes, as you said, the Sabres and Olympics and everything. Uh, headliner of the day. Uh,
brought to you by Mr. Rooter. Uh, there's a reason that they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. Text line is one eight three three four zero one. We've got uh, and 1440. We've got a few texts coming in that were sort of talking about stuff that wasn't related to John. So we'll get to those when we come back after the break. And we will hook up with Post Media's Dan Barnes when we return on the Kevin Carrier Show with Lorianne Munzer on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program, 841, and time is flying by. Kevin Carries along with Lorianne Munzer, our Monday morning co-host, 7 to 9. Mondays with Munzee, although she was never called that, just the monster, apparently. What a nickname, I don't know. Um, it's the way she goes. Who called you the monster? the street oh, just the, kids. the kids on the street when we were <laughs> ripping up and down on our bicycles when we were playing hockey when yeah. we were playing street baseball when we were shooting hoops yeah, yeah. all right let's bring in uh, post media's dan barnes uh morning barney we go back a long way don't we yeah back to when you had a nickname i believe too i've all i still have it do you still have do you, do my you mom calls it me it. pardon me you use it liberally my mom still calls me it really everyone calls me it I answered to it first. All right. Well, we're not talking about KK. No, I know what we're talking about. All right. There you go. It's not okay. a bad. It's not a bad word. It's not well, a bad you name. For context, there's many people that have the name. Absolutely, Richard. Yes. <laughs> Short for Richard. Yes. Yes. There yeah. you go. I think you know what's funny. I, we had Mark Spector on earlier, and I think between you and Spec, and I guess it would be Terry Jones. That would be the probably the first three guys that I would have met or hung around in the print media back in the day. So we're responsible for the, the monster that's been created? Well, that's Lorianne, not me. Uh, okay, there you go. Now, over your career, Barney, back, I mean, in, in between, yes, you covered Oilers and Double E and everything else, but you covered and still cover a ton, a ton of amateur sport, which is great because those are where we were talking about earlier, where the stories are. Do you recall doing, uh, you know, articles with Lorianne over the years? Uh, possibly we, I, I didn't do a lot of cycling okay. for whatever reason. It just, I, it was never on my plate at the Olympics. I was, uh, in the summertime games, I would usually cover, uh, track and field. So that was, uh, where I found myself most often, but the Olympics itself, the analytic sport, amateur sport, call it what you will. That's yeah. It's, it is a rich field of stories, you know, a lot of features, but a lot of news lately. And it's, uh, I've always found it really interesting to, you know, to branch out. And you did too. I know yeah. right back at global, you were all over the, the amateur scene. So I think it, it, it does, uh, I think it's a, a better service to the, the community when you, you know, you can get away from the uh, football and hockey for a while. How many Olympics have you covered Barney? Uh, eight. eight, eight Olympics and one Paralympics in Rio and a bunch of, uh, you know, like world curling and world figure skating, world hockey, world athletics. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, I traveled a bit. Oh, for sure. What's the difference for you for, for covering either, you know, the pro sports, amateur sports? The difference? Well, I mean, I guess it's, uh, sometimes it's access. Right now you find that, I guess, pro teams, because they want to curate the message and good on them for doing that it's uh certainly their right the access that we used to have back in the day when there was you know not that many media folks around and rules were a lot laxer you could sit down with a given athlete be it on the football squad or or the oil uh and we used to sit in the 
in the dressing room for 20 minutes or half an hour, depending on how much time the guy had. And, and you could dig in on a story. And now that doesn't happen a whole lot. And for obvious reasons, the demands on their time are greater. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, for a while there, there was a lot more media. Uh, <laughs> sadly, the business is shrinking oh. a bit. <laughs> but uh, you don't always get that kind of access. And with uh, so-called amateur or Olympic sport, you generally can because they, uh, the demands on their time are different. They don't compete nearly as often as a hockey player, so they generally have some more downtime. And it, uh, they let you into their world a little bit, and I appreciate that. And I, I think that's, again, it's good for the readership. Post Media's Dan Barnes joins us on the Kevin Carrier Show with our Monday morning co-host, Lorianne Munzer. I was talking to you, Barney, at Elks practice this year when I told you I was going to be taking this job, but you couldn't figure it out. Well, you didn't really uh, spell it out for me. I'm well, a bit thick, as you know. So, it, You know what? In our business, we call those clues. <laughs> <laughs> yep, missed that one badly. Yeah. Yes, uh, anyway, but, but we were talking about how many, and it will never, we understand that, it will never get to be where it once was in the Edmonton media landscape, but there were, I think, anywhere between 36 and 48, between reporters from the Journal, the Sun, the radio stations, the TV stations. Um, what it meant was you had to get in line at the media meal like, well, early. There And there were some good media meals. Now there aren't any. <laughs> hey, there's halftime pizza at that. Yes, w. there are. Which which brings me to the Saturday night game. Uh, you must have been pretty excited to, to be down there. You know, finally, you know, I'll, I'll win, the second win at home. But just the atmosphere. Just what did you think of Saturday night? Well, I was a bit chapped that I didn't win the, the uh, Taylor Swift ticket. Yes. Let's go there first. Okay. Huge fan, huge fan. Anyway, no, it was it was good, and there were lots of people there, and I got many messages <laughs> suggesting that they were there in part because of the Taylor mm-hmm. Swift giveaway. And you know what? If that's what it takes, whatever. Filled the building because the atmosphere was great. It was, you know, and it helps that the Elks came back to win it in such dramatic fashion. They haven't given their fans, you know, previously – Last couple of years, they hadn't given them much to be uh, happy about. But they sent away a crowd of 32,000, very happy indeed. And it was it was exciting football. Uh, Trey Ford had a terrible first half, but yeah. the kid has got so much moxie and so much competitive fire in him that he came back and he and he helped get them that uh, the field position they needed for the kicker to come through. So they've got something there with that kid. And, I mean, every time I think about it, we should be seeing his face everywhere. This should be the face of that franchise right now, and you shouldn't be able to get away from him. And he's, he's totally capable of handling that kind of focus because he's, he's honest, he's smart, he's quick on his feet, um, and I, I, just, I think he's perfect for the job. And, and I think they're going to go a long way with that kid because um, they've surrounded him you know, with enough talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the O-line played pretty damn well. Um, he when he runs to save his own life, he generally does it because he can't quite read that defense, and he's he he's learning with the nine man drop. Yeah, right? he, he's, he's learned it on his. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, he's, he's under fire. So good on him. And you know, they're still three and ten, and the playoffs are still a a, a dream, I would think, um, because as soon as the the math starts to work against them, and it will down the road here. Um, they will have less to play for, but you know, I think in a, a, a year or two they'll they'll be a pretty good team. And what about Dean Faithful here? 
Yeah, old faithful, they call him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, th- I think he's a little older too, right? Well, yes. He is. He's 36-ish, I think. Mm-hmm. 35, 36, I can't remember. He might but, be uh, in 37. He, well, he could be. <laughs> but yeah, you know, there there is some thought that his range is uh, somewhat limited. But, yeah. uh, he, you know, there wasn't much mistake on a on a 42-yarder with zeros on the clock and the game hanging in the balance. So let the let the guy celebrate because it was darn well worth it. Just turned 36, Dean Faithful. 36, there you go. But, I yeah. mean, you saw him in the dressing room and, and you know, the, the waving to the queen and the, on the shoulders yeah. of the teammates. Well, I guess it would, be the, it would be the king now. King, sorry, yes, I guess. Yeah, yes. get that right. Buddy. Sorry, Barney, again, I just... It's, that's quite a celebration. I, it's understated. I, I like it. Good, good for him. <laughs> so what do you think about the Elks in the playoffs, or is that just part of the fantasy football dream thing? <laughs> yeah, it might be. I mean, again, when you do the math, um, to get the crossover in the East, they got to get past Hamilton. Uh, to, to qualify in the West, they got to get past Saskatchewan. I just, I don't see it happening. I mean, when you start a season 0-9, yeah. Um, you've made it way too hard on yourself <laughs> to get there. And, and no matter how good they are now, unless they run the table, absolutely run the table, um, you know, they still might not make it. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, I think it's just too hard. And they have to believe that they can do it. Otherwise, what the heck's the point in playing? So they, I'm sure the, you know, I'm sure there's belief in that room, especially with the way they pulled the, the game out of the fire on Saturday, but I just think the math is going to work against them in the next couple of weeks, and and the realization is eventually going to have to set in. Yeah, Saskatchewan six and six and won the season series, so they have to finish ahead of them, and it, yep. it probably is going to come back to you know uh, there were several mistakes, but the one point uh, that the, was given up on the kickoff probably cost them a, a victory. So yeah. you know, yeah. you know you take that. So then Saskatchewan's five and seven and. Elks are, you know, four and nine. So going into this weekend, uh, you know, obviously this is a massive game on Friday night. So, Barney, I know, yeah, you got to get going here quick. I know you got to go to school or something or what's going on? Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm always working. That's that's the problem. You got a story lined up? What what, what story are you? You know what? I'm working on a lawn bowling piece. (laughs) You're kidding. I know I shouldn't have tipped my hand. We just did a story. I did a story on that a little while ago. It's the 100th anniversary of the Edmonton Lawn Bowling Club. There, did you did you talk to Claire Day? Uh, no, we did it. There was one guy. He's actually a blind lawn bowler. Awesome. Yeah. So I did oh, that back. Cool. We did it back at Global. I didn't actually do the story. I was supposed to do it. Then uh, I think Sierra Yastrick did it. Well, so. you just stay away from my territory. If you, yeah, I, I'll send you some story up. ideas if you want, Barney. Okay, you do that. Okay, buddy. Thanks for coming in. We'll All talk right, to you cheers. soon. All right. That's Dan Barnes from Post Media. So um, it's funny. So. Your first foray into co-hosting a radio show. We're almost two hours in, Lorianne Munzer. Uh, does it feel like two minutes or two hours? It feels like two minutes, honest to goodness. I can't believe the time has just flown by. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. Can I come back again? Yeah, well, you're coming back next Monday. Okay. I think I might take Monday off, so do you want to just host the whole show yourself? Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Really? I, I'm happy to fill in. But it's different in the sense, so today we would have had, I guess, three reporters we had three reporters on. That's just the you know it's going to vary every Monday for you. Mm-hmm. We had Chris Jones on, so it's different in the sense that the people that we talk to are kind of in the business as well. Three out of the four, yeah. Chris Jones wasn't. So 
was it different even talking to them to get their perspective on things? Did you feel that? It really didn't feel that much different. There, were, there okay. was a couple themes, right? Yeah. Is you know the pro, the professional sports, the amateur sports. You're talking hockey. You're talking football. Um, the other sports. It's really similar. Like there, mm-hmm. there's a theme across the board here, yeah. and it's really interesting. It's making me think about. So, what questions do the writers really, really, really want to ask yes. that? The players don't want to ask or maybe they're told not to answer or deflect. And it's just, it's making me think back to when I was competing. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. 20 years ago almost, but it's just those questions are really important because people, they, they want to be connected. They want to know what's going on. And, and if you don't know what's going on, you wonder like with the Elks, I'm thinking, why the heck could they not win the next games like why not like where 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 are they thinking where's the mindset and and dan really touched on it with the belief belief is everything if you believe you can do it that's when you move the mountains and we've got a couple mountains to move and it's literally one game at a time and if you get the spectators the fans in the stand or communities thinking about what is possible other than ah well we can't do this you can really not only change the energy around, but mm-hmm. it's just the players pick up on it. They, they totally pick up on it. Well, we really enjoyed your insight today. We're going to enjoy it every Monday, 7 to 9. Um, thanks for your first foray into co-hosting sports radio. We're uh, lucky to have you, and we're looking forward to uh, many, many weeks to come. Uh, thrilled to be on the show with you, Kevin. Thank All you. right. That's Laurie Ann Munzer. It'll be Mondays with Munzee or the Monster as she was uh, called back in the day. Uh, So coming up to 9 o'clock, next hour we will have Stephen Ellis. So he's a prospect analyst for Daily Faceoff. And then in the 10 o'clock hour, we will speak with Paul Sir. But as we head to break, time now for a sports update, a sports 1440 update with the Duke.